0: Everybody, welcome to Vulnerability Leads to Victory, Season Two, Episode Thirteen. This is the last episode of Season Two. Um, I'm excited to have you all here. Um, through this journey of season two thus far. And we are wrapping up today with what I know will be a great conversation with a really cool person um, on your, in your coming through in your listening airwaves today. And so I'm excited uh, for this conversation um, just because I am always excited to have conversations about vulnerability um, because I'm that type of person. But two, always excited to have conversations are good with great people um so if you have not had a chance to listen to any of the episodes of season two thus far that's fine um if this is where you're jumping in with season two feel free listen to this go back listen to any of the other episodes um along the way and just join in and become a part of the vulnerability leads the victory family um but i am your host your boy sean john and this week, our guest uh, is someone who I've had the pleasure to know for I think about oh, five years now. I feel like it is. Um, you know, who's counting? Uh, when you have a good time with great people, you lose track of time sometimes, but you never uh, fall out of touch with each other along the way. Um, and so, this week uh, is someone who I've had the pleasure of working with, um, someone who I've had the pleasure of just being able to stay in contact with and just have great conversations um, about growth and life and um, just really um, understanding so many different topics um, that I myself um, did not know a lot about over the years, such as universal design, art, uh, you know, understanding of you know people and resources and everything along around uh, disability like there's just so many different things uh, that I've been able to learn from this person um, even just about the state of Maine about Key West about just you name it I probably have learned something uh, from this person so this week I bring it to the vulnerability leads to victory family none other they one of the coolest people I've ever met Erica Heffernan, how are you today, Erica?
1: I am doing well, sir. It is good to catch up with you. I'm very thankful to be on the show here, and I'm very also very thankful for our friendship over the years. Uh, I've also learned a lot from you, and I'm just uh, value our friendship so much and the ability for us to have honest and real conversations, which in the last five years, the world has definitely changed a lot. And it's really important to have people in your life that you can really um, have those important conversations with, because not every friend is an appropriate uh, counsel to have real life conversations. So I'm always appreciative of the fact that you and I can just pick up where we left off and have those uh, real discussions on what's happening in the world.
0: No, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I the you are you hit the nail on the head when you say real conversations because I feel like that is what we have all the time is uh, real conversations um, that touch on real subjects that touch on just the reality of where we are uh, many a times and so I think that's just important when you have people within your your community within your circle that you're. Um, able to kind of converse with in a way where you can, you know, be vulnerable, you can be real, you can be honest, you can be open, um, but also you can do it in a way where I know when I've had conversations with you, I have never felt like I've been um, in a place where I'm being judged. Um, I've always felt like I've been in a place where I've been supported. And so um, I will forever be appreciative of that with the uh, relationship that we've developed over the years so as i said we kind of known each other for for about five years now um you know maybe a little bit more but who's counting here um and i definitely remember uh the first time really meeting you as we always joke um i was uh whirling through the main office for where we were working at the time and i saw you and i was like feel like I'm supposed to know this person, but I don't uh, know them yet. So I'm just going to introduce myself to anybody because that's just what I do. Um, And I don't think we would have anybody random up in our main office. And so I introduced myself. And ever since then, we've just uh, been cool uh, with each other. And that literally, it sounds so simple. And I think in some ways when I say it, I feel like I am leaving things out, but I I wish, like, I wish I could say I was leaving things out, but I'm not. Like, it literally was that simple. One introduction has turned into, uh, you know, five years of friendship with, like I say, many great conversations along the way. So that's how I kind of, like, have defined kind of how we know each other. But from your perspective, like, you know, how do we know each other? And, you know, why did you uh, say yes to the invite for coming on
1: the podcast. Yeah, I mean, so that story to me is, uh, you know, was very, I don't know, welcoming and touching. I don't know how else to say it. I was um, at a computer doing an online learning, which I have a learning disability, and I cannot do multiple choice or those online learnings. So I was pretty much in a place where it was my first day at work. And I was already on you know, the struggle bus, just really struggling to try and complete um, you know, the task at hand and really feeling kind of down and bummed out that um, you know, I was having a hard time. And like in you walk, bebop, bebop and you're just like, hey, who are you? Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like the smile I needed right now. And Um, you know, you were just so welcoming and so kind in that moment. It was, it wasn't even like a very long interaction. It was just a couple minutes um, that you just stopped by and said hi, but it definitely, you know, changed my first day at a new, uh, very big institution from a nervous kind of stressed out, sad moment to a very like welcoming and, um, positive moment where I was like, Oh no, I am, I am going to be able to fit in here. I am going to be able to make this work. And so, um, when I saw your, uh, call for people to come on and talk, I never want to miss an opportunity to hang out and talk with Sean. So <laughs> I was more than happy to come on and, uh, you know, chat about being vulnerable and I'm not always the best at being vulnerable, but I do, um, have tried over the years to be more open to it as well as um, helping others to understand that we all sort of move at our own speed and learn in our own way.
0: Yes, that's good. It's always, it's, uh, it's so good to, you know, for us to be having this conversation. And, you know, I, I think before, before we get to talking about definition and framework, I, I want to kind of wrap up this kind of intro with, Really think about this, like, I think one of the ways in which I've learned how to navigate vulnerability really came through our connection over the years, specifically um, from when a time when you were having a art show and I like I went to your art show and the um, your art was around trying to put something together by list, but while listening to um, this audio and really trying to navigate like, okay, here's these blocks, let me listen to this audio and put these blocks to see if I can form together what um, it is being said over the recording. And I really just think about, as I've reflected on that over the years, it was a time where I was in a space where I'm like, I can kind of see what's supposed to come about but I'm also in this space of everybody's around me seeing this. There's other people who have done this before me. I don't know if what they did was right. I don't know if what they did was wrong. I don't I don't know about what they did. But I, I remember in that that in that showcase and, and looking at your art, I remember feeling very vulnerable. Um, but I also remember afterwards talking to you, and you were like, um, the purpose of this was not to have a right or wrong. The purpose was just to just do it. Um, And I think that, you know, when it comes to the vulnerability and how I've navigated over the years, that's something I've always reflected on is that, um, you know, it's not about right or wrong. Like, I think there's things that you, you know, you don't want to do like um, in, in terms of it, but um, it's not about that. This is the absolute best way. This is the absolute worst way. This is the right way. This is the wrong. Way. Like it's not about that. It's just doing it and getting started on that journey and seeing what comes about from the journey. And so um, I am appreciative of being able to be a part of that experience um, that you you know you set up through an art showcase because it truly has forever touched and enriched uh, my life experience. So. I thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and and I was so thankful because the show was almost two hours away from where we were living at the time, and I did not expect really anyone from our group to make the trek over. So I was so thankful that you were, um, you know, willing to make that drive and support me during that because it was at my alma mater, and I was a little nervous that I wouldn't have you know enough people show up, and so it was really wonderful to have that. Um support, you know for me to ha- to be at the opening and have people, you know, participating in my activity as well as just supporting me as a person. And so um, learning how to build has been a wonderful project that has, you know been able to go all over the world, which I'm very thankful about. And I think um, you know, when you were talking about vulnerability and feeling like whether you were doing it right or wrong, Um, I really thought in the project when I originally started it, I have four people building on screen at a time um, to children's building blocks to computerized audio instructions. And so I thought because of my learning disability that I would fail at the activity and that everybody else would build the building perfectly and that I would be struggling Well, lo and behold, everybody built the building completely differently (laughs) from the same instructions. And I had people um, from ages 6 to 79 who were participating in the project at the time. And it was amazing to me, the children that built, I would leave them in the room to listen to the recording for them to, you know, put the red block here, put the blue block here. And I would come back around um, when the recording was finished and they were like, I built it perfectly. I did it right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then for the adults, when I would come back, they'd be like, well, did I get it right? Is it good? Is it, did I do it? And I'm like, well, that's not the point. Like, there's no, I'm not going to tell you if you got it right. Like, the point is, you know, to to do your best and that that is your version of, you know, what you heard in the instructions And that, you know, as an instructor, if you have a group of 28 students in your class, no matter how clear you think you're being, when you're giving directions, everybody's hearing something a little different. And so instead of making people feel like they missed the mark or they've done something wrong or, um, you know, there are some classes that you do need to have, you know, a definite answer and get the right answer. Um, But everybody learns at a different speed and a different pace. So the more that you can celebrate the way that that person approaches information, the more successful outcome you're going to have. And so, you know, uh, I think in school, a lot of the times that I was often, you know, not getting the answer right and often struggling that, um, you know, is definitely a form of vulnerability that (laughs) was not fun to participate in because you don't want to let people know that you're falling behind or struggling or that you're not doing well, or like we talked about on that first day of work. You know, here I am in my 30s, still struggling to do an online stupid ABC, you know, thing and feeling dumb on my first day of work, which is so frustrating (laughs) because, you know, the ease of online material and having people do that is worth it to a corporation over, you know, uh, having a conversation with your supervisor that proves that you're, you know, not going to steal the scotch tape. But, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <A>
0: oh <lot. laughs> no, that's that's very understandable. So, um, but yeah, we can we can spend all day, as you all know, seeing how uh, we the two of us can talk and, and interact. But I really just, as we get ready to head into the next section, I really want to want you all to take kind of what we've just talked about so far and really understand that's what vulnerability leads to victory is about. Like this art kind of this art project is our showcase of really different people building different ways. Like this is, as I said, episode 13 of season two, the last episodes of season two, this is episode 26 overall of vulnerability least victory. And you all can go back and listen to all the other previous 25 episodes and realize that we're talking about vulnerability but it looks different for everybody. And that's what I want you all to understand is is that um, just being vulnerable does not have to look one way. We can all reach the same goal, but doing it differently um, and coming in community that way. So let's take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and hit a little bit more on some definition of framework uh, before we then move on to, um, you know, the next parts of today's episode. We are back. as we talk about in Longville Lee's victory, the framework that I normally come from as the host is um, allowing yourself the opportunity to be in the state where you are, whether that's mentally, physically, Um, spiritually, emotionally, you know, allowing yourself to be there, kind of acknowledging that, Um, not necessarily having to act on it, but just really allowing yourself to be there. So Erica, how do you define or what framework do you put to what, what mindset, you know, words, definitions, any of that uh, when it comes to vulnerability or being vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to be open and like I said, I'm not the <laughs> the best at that. I, I tend to side. Um, and I think partly that's because of growing up with such a severe learning disability that I was always trying to stay one step ahead of everybody else. So I sort of had this facade or this, um, you know, personality that I would play in order for people not to be able to find out um, that I, you know, had a, a learning disability. And so I think that... Um, being open and being willing to to be honest, I think is really the most important thing when you're trying to be vulnerable or have difficult conversations. And you talked earlier as well about um, judgment. I don't think that there is a place for judgment when you're trying uh, to be vulnerable and have those kinds of real conversations, because it's important to hear everyone's point of view and everybody's you know, side and you're not going to ever, um, plant that seed or change somebody's mind or open somebody up to something that they're not used to if you're not willing to be open and judgment-free.
0: No, that's uh, really good It's the, the open and, and honest, like I think, um, honesty is, is, always good because if you, you know, if you can't be honest in a conversation, then like, you know, are you really ready to have that conversation? Um, and I know we live in a world that is full of, well, I'm just going to tell this little lie. I'm just going to, you know, evade the truth. Like, I think that's the, the piece of it as well. It's like sometimes we say, well, I didn't lie. Well, you didn't tell the whole story or like you you purposely left out details. Um, and I think that's the thing is is that, um, you know, when it comes to vulnerability um, and when people are being open and honest, um, as listeners, we have to be ready to allow space, um, for that, allow open space. Um, and, but as those who are, you know, the ones being vulnerable, we have to be honest of, A, are we truly ready to, you know, be as vulnerable, and sometimes we might feel inside, like are we are we truly ready to say everything that we want to say, or how do we want to navigate that conversation? We have to be honest with ourselves um, in, in many ways um, in order to navigate that and know when is the best time to be open um, when it's all said and done. Because uh, again, like to me, vulnerability is not about the the tears and all of that. It's just the, as we just, you just said like the, the honest and open conversation that you're having with yourself that eventually comes out um, with others in your support system. Yeah. So I, so I I think, the other thing I think about when you talked about, you know, your, your definition um, is Really, as we we talked about again, that no judgment and having a no judgment zone. Like I, I, I mean, I really think that's important as well. And for those of you all who are listening, it's really taking the time to not just be sympathetic, but be empathetic. And really, if you don't know the difference between those two, I would say definitely take the time to understand the difference between those two because I think there are many people who think that they are showing empathy when really they are showing sympathy and um, they will give, and what they do is, is they will give someone a tissue that is crying, but then say, Oh, don't cry. Like, well, If you don't want me to cry, like, to give me a tissue, but then tell me don't cry, like, that means that you feel some type of way about my tears to begin with. And so you're not giving me the tissue to, like, help me. You're giving me just a tissue just for the sake of that. Oh, isn't that what's supposed to happen? Like, no. Um, I think it's, yeah, you... No. like, Learn the difference between the two because when it comes to judgment, I think that's where sometimes it is that when people are being sympathetic, there's still a level of, I think, conscious judgment at times. Um, whereas I think when you're being empathetic, like you, as it's as seen, uh, you can go on YouTube and look up you know, Brene Brown empathy, and you can look up empathy, and you'll see the little I cartoon her. video. I love it. Um, so, yeah, it's like, you know, you can see the cartoon video of the, um, you know, person like this, like, oh no, empathy's like, you get down in the hole with them that's dark and everything like that. Like, are you willing to do that and just be down there? Like, you know, um, and, and when I say, no judgment i think when you're empathetic i think subconsciously there's still some things where you might have some thoughts or questions because you may have been in a similar situation and navigated it differently but if you can if you can keep that to yourself and just like process of that's where i was at but let me understand where this person's at then you can allow yourself to truly be in that empathetic spot. Um, and so so yeah, so I think be open, be honest, um, be empathetic and not just sympathetic.
1: And empathy takes time too, and I think that that's something that um, you know we're always in a rush in our society. We're always um, you know, moving at the speed of light and have a million things going on and and being overly productive is, valued in a lot of places. And so a lot of times I don't think people are um, skipping empathy because they don't want to do it. I think a lot of times we're just trained to sort of like, here's a tissue, get yourself together. (laughs) We need to move on to whatever it is that we're doing next. Um, And it's not necessarily that someone is intentionally trying to judge or trying to like shift you into the next thing. I think that there's just not enough time to really slow down and be empathetic. And so I think that, um, you know, with empathy, there, there comes a lot into play of making sure that you have the time, you know, when you see that phone ring, and you know, your friend is having a rough time, you know, with whatever it is going on in their life, like, you know, if you're at the grocery store in the checkout line, like, should you be picking up that phone? Like, probably not. Mm -hmm. You know that you need to take that time to have that real empathetic conversation where you're really listening, even if they've told you the same story four times already, and they just still need to process through and work through it and have, you know, you there as a friend to listen. But if you're, you know, in rush hour traffic and beeping at the person in front of you, like, that's not the best place or time to really, be able to concentrate and be empathetic. And I think a lot of times we go to to sympathy and sympathetic because it's faster and we can just be like, well, this happened to me once. And, you know, this is how I dealt with it. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Let's move on.
0: No, that's real. That's very, very real. It reminds me of this thought um, that I had in a conversation with someone um, a few years ago. And basically we came down to this thought process of, you know, um, understanding. Are you ready for? Are you ready for written communication, verbal communication, or visual communication? And we talked about that being a two-way street. Um, in terms of vulnerability of like, you know, as a person who might be seeking to be, you know, vulnerable. Are you like looking to do that in? visual communicate and, and written communication um you know are you looking to do that in verbal or visual so in the case of like you know what you just talked about with um you know picking up the phone or something like that sometimes you know you might just be ready to say something via like a text message um and you know because if you you might think well like i just love to call people well once you hear somebody's voice, like you know, how will that you know uh, put you in this place of wanting to be you know vulnerable? If you hop on video chat with someone, um, you know, how will that you know play itself out? In the same way as someone who is the person receiving or being in the open space where someone is being you know vulnerable, um, are you? You know, in a space where like your mindset is like, this is what I'm capable of right now, because at the end of the day, when it comes to vulnerability, we want to make sure that the person being vulnerable and the person receiving are both kind of on a a close enough page where um, there's there's a welcoming um, of it and no one feels like there's going to be any harm done um, during that time. So, yeah, so, that's just a good conversation. This is the conversations I love. This is a conversation I love about vulnerability, but these are the conversations I love with Erica. So, Erica, do you have anything you want to kind of use to wrap us up for uh, this uh, definition and framework?
1: Yeah, I think that um, we we're talking about empathy and sympathy. Uh, I had an interesting situation uh, a couple weeks ago. I was out uh, for a social event And I unfortunately was one of 28,000 that lost my job at Disney during COVID. And I had been there for 20 years. So it's definitely a huge part of my life. And I I loved being a cast member and I'm still on the list to get called back. And it's just a very emotional time. And once again, like emotions are not my, you know, squishy soft spot. (laughs) So this person just, I hadn't seen them in a long time. And they were like, oh, are you leaving for Disney soon? And I was like, oh, no, like, unfortunately, you know, my job was, uh, you know, cut due to COVID. And um, it was just so interesting, like how the waterfall just like kept going and there was like no slowing it down. And she was uncomfortable because it was like an uncomfortable thing. And then like I was more uncomfortable. And then the more she tried to fix it, the more it got like even worse for me. And then I'm like tearing up in the middle of this event where there are lots of people. And then she kept trying harder to like make it stop. And I was like, oh my God, just please like stop talking to me about this. (laughs) And she's like, you're an excellent worker. You're going to have another job. I'm like, I have other jobs. Like I'm fine, like financially, like I'm good. Like this was like, you know, my fun, you know, seasonal job. Uh, I definitely miss it. Um, but it was just so funny to, like, watch, like, how unbelievably, like, uncomfortable and, like, you know, stuck her foot in the mud kind of moment it was. And it was like a train wreck that just wouldn't stop no matter how much each of us tried to stop it. That I think. Um, and and once again, there was no maliciousness. There was no, like, she had no idea that my job had been. I hadn't actually talked out loud because I've been, you know, quarantined and not really meeting with very many people. So this was kind of one of my first events that I had been out in a group of people. And so it was the first time I talked about it. It was, it was just so like weird and just an absolute, like you said, train wreck. It just couldn't stop. It just kept going and going, and going. Sorry. And, and I think that <laughs> uh, if either of us had just taken half a second to like pause, and really, like, recognize what was happening instead of trying to like fix it in the moment. It would have probably been a more successful interaction than what it was. But um, overall, it was it was important and it was a moment of vulnerability. But uh, definitely more of a trying to fix than really trying to listen.
0: No, uh, I always say you know be be quick to listen and slow to respond um you know when possible because you definitely capture more and you capture you can and by capturing more you can also capture the essence of what's being said um and in, in terms of how it's being said and you know and also when you are quick to listen um it's not just the, the verbal that you're hearing it's listening and paying attention to the the nonverbal as well, because I will definitely say there are times where I am not quick to listen. There are many times where I'm having a conversation with my spouse and they will say something and, and I'm like, oh, what did you, oh, no, you're right. This is what, and it's like, it's because I was thinking to respond as soon as they started talking um, sometimes that I'm like, wait, I didn't hear what they said. And then it's like, finally hits me what they said and I'm like oh okay yeah um, thankfully I paused for an extra second this time around and, and really we were able to have the conversation that we needed to have but no you are so on the money uh, with kind of just thinking about the way with that sometimes taking that pause it helps because it helps because you don't know, it allows you to make sure that you are again responding appropriately. Um, and that you don't, you know, over respond or under respond because both are awkward. Like if someone, <laughs> especially in vulnerability, if you're being vulnerable, somebody's just like not understanding it. Like in this case, yes, you are sad that you, you are no longer doing something that you were passionate about. Um, but you understand but you understand it from, like, the bigger picture of things. And so, yes, you're sad, but you're not, like, you know, bump Disney. Like, you're not necessarily, like, <laughs> let's, you know, let's let's go around Magic Kingdom and just say, like, you know, no more Disney. Like, you know, I think when that, or if, you know, on the flip side, if you were to have said, like, here's where I'm at, and they were just like, huh, that sucks. Like you, like wait, that's it. Like
1: <laughs> no, absolutely.
0: You're <laughs> like, uh, okay. Like I was, I wasn't expecting a whole lot of response, but that's it. Like so, I think that's the the. Sometimes you there is not necessarily truly. I I can't tell you all what the the perfect middle is when it comes to responding, but it's just it comes down to being quick to listen, slow to respond in those moments, um, because that'll help you navigate kind of what's really going on in terms of social cues and, and a lot of different things that can come about, but also feel free to just ask questions because not everybody gets social cues um, as well. So Feel free to ask, you know, questions of maybe some listening skills, you know, different things like that, that um, can come about um, as well. So, um, so as you can see, uh, this is some great conversation overall, Eric and I just have great conversation. You all are gaining insight into how so our conversations are, uh, off the mic. And so, um, I'm looking forward to us continuing this conversation in the next segment, um, uh, with Erica's vulnerability leads to victory story. So we'll be right back. Alrighty, it is time, Erica. Take it away. Tell us what is your vulnerability leads a victory story? That experience or a moment you've had where you've had some type of growth, or uh, whether it's a moment, a season, whatever it is, of growth, learning, understanding that's contributed to you know you um, progressing through life um, in a, a different way.
1: Yeah. So I think. Uh, yeah, I've talked a little bit about my disability and sort of how I saw things differently. And as an artist in my undergrad, I was uh, making work that I thought truly spoke to how I felt, um, but the general public wasn't really getting it. And so I, I struggled through that. I did a post-baccalaureate year uh, at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and really tried to work through it and sort of kept hitting a wall and not really um, being able to to reach the public like I did, like I wanted to. And uh, when I went to grad school at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology um, has the National Technical Deaf Institute. And so they have a lot of programs for folks with disabilities. And I had never really had as much support as what was offered at RIT. And so it really allowed me Uh, to explore my disability and be honest and vulnerable about it, whereas in the past, uh, I really didn't have that option or ability as much as I did there. And so it really gave me the the chance to explore that side of my identity in a safe-ish space (laughs) that I could really sort of do that deep dive and do that work and as I started to work on my projects there, uh, words and text are really difficult for me. They always have been, like I said, multiple choice is really difficult. And so I had been using visual cues to explain uh, my disability in taking photographs and removing the focus so that they were out of focus and blurry. And if you don't have focus in a photograph, when a photograph is supposed to show an object or a subject, then, you know, is it still a photograph? Is it something new? Does it become, you know, a painting or a different kind of art? And so uh, that's what I had been working on and it wasn't as clear. But when I started to use text and uh, language, all of a sudden the light bulb started going off for other people. And so that's where learning how to build really took off and really sort of had that aha uh-huh moment uh, when I started showing that with people really um, being vulnerable themselves because they're on camera and trying to put together, you know that that building block as well as myself being vulnerable and really trying something that was outside of the box for me. That wasn't something that came naturally. And as an artist, you want to do, you know, what you're good at and what you're skilled at as opposed to really, you know, trudging through something that takes you years and years to, to have that aha moment. And so I'm very thankful that when I decided to go back to grad school, I was older. And so I told myself that I wouldn't work while I was in grad school because I worked the whole time I was an undergrad. And I really gave myself the opportunity to slow down and pause and think about what I wanted to say and what message I wanted to get across. And, it, and allowed myself time to experiment, and try a lot of different um, techniques and and different things. And it was interesting because I I feel like in those two years, and I, you know, I'm not much of a crier. I think I cried more in those two years trying to make that body of work than I probably had the rest of my life. And it's because once again, if you are not being honest with yourself and you're putting up a facade and you're you know, not being honest in your daily interactions and sort of how you show up in the world. Uh, you don't have that opportunity to really and truly connect with the people that are around you and, and the relationships that you're building. And so uh, it definitely was a very long process of being honest. and And it's still not perfect. And it's still difficult because we all have those comfort habits that we fall back into and I can definitely see in times when I'm uncomfortable or struggling or, you know, especially with COVID over the last, you know, two years, it feels like now, um, it's definitely pushed a lot of buttons in terms of comfort zones and trying to keep yourself, you know, safe in a way that, um, is not easy. And so we can fall into those bad habits of, uh, trying to think of what you said at the beginning, but you essentially said the, the little white lie or the little, like, you know, let's just skip over that because that's going to be a longer conversation that we don't have enough time for. So if I just omit the thing that we don't really need to talk about that, um, you know, it'll make it easier for everyone, which is not getting anyone to the angle of being authentic and really vulnerable uh, and, working well together as a team. Because if you can't be vulnerable and authentic with the people that you're interacting with or trying to connect with, you're not ever going to have that connection that we're all looking for. And so I think that throughout those two years of exploration for me, which were not easy, I really was able to sort of put that mask away and really show up as myself and have those difficult conversations. And it's not easy to advocate for yourself, especially with an invisible disability. I still have plenty of supervisors or coworkers or people that I interact with, you know, I don't know, on a daily basis that are like, there's no way you have a third grade reading level. You talk so great well, talking is not my disability. <laughs> so, like, like, cool. Thanks for the compliment. Um, but you know, it can be a challenge to continually be vulnerable when, um, you have people that are judging or trying to say the right thing, um, by saying, like, I don't think anyone is being malicious once again, by being like, wow, you're so well-spoken. Like, You know, they're not meaning it in that way, but it can get exhausting to always hear those comments over and over again and always have to explain once again, like, this is a situation, this is, you know, what the way my brain works. And I'd really appreciate it if when, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z that you could, you know, help me out in this way so that I can be successful and be, you know, a, a active participant in the meeting that we're having. And, um, Yeah. But the more that I advocate for myself and do that work, I think the easier it is for me to be able to show up as myself if I have the accommodations and the tools that I need to be successful, as well as I'm hopefully helping the people that will come behind me that maybe don't have the ability to be as vocal as I am or um, the ability to to push in a way that I do. So
0: Whew. That was a lot. I was taking some notes over here because you <laughs> you, took, you spoke a lot of good things, a lot of great things. And I wanted to make sure that I did not miss out uh, on some of the highlights here. Uh, but before it gets to that, uh, as always, I want, to, as I want to say to each guest, thank you for sharing your story, even though. You knew ahead of time you were coming on to be vulnerable. Um, it is still appreciated to um, hear your story um, overall and hear it um, in the way that it's being told uh, today. I think one of the things that you you just touched on at the end really um, is. With talking about accommodations and, and tools, um, it make it takes me back to uh, talking to my guest from last week, um, Amber Donald, who uh, talked about that uh, it wasn't until her senior year where she went and took advantage of um, you know the ability to get testing accommodations um, that she talked about. She was a preview staffer and. That like she was telling all the other students about. Here's this resource you can get these accommodations. Here's a tool for you. Uh, like go take advantage of it. Um, and then herself like did not go and take advantage until later in the academic career. What's interesting is that this week we're we're looking at as you talk about accommodations and tools is that um, from the perspective of Many a times there are ways that we need to look at how we serve people. I think this is where um, what what I'm hearing from your your story is, like, how do we best serve people? Because I think sometimes we'll say, like, oh, we have a combination of tools. And it's like, well, like, but I need this. But we have this. But I, no, 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 Like, I need this. Like, but I mean, we, we can get you this. No, no, no. I, but I I need, this is what I, this is what is going to work best, you know, for for me to, you know, for me to serve well here. For me to serve well here, here's how I need you to serve me in this way. And I think that's something that in society today is, we just look at, like, how do we get things accomplished or how do we just kind of, you know, gl- like, quick, get get things done, e- what we say, efficiently, but not as effectively. And I think that's something that when it comes to accommodations and tools, we think, like, oh, we'll just have them go talk to this person at this office and or we'll just do this and do that. And, like, no, 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 no. Um, what how do we create a space where in this case like people can be vulnerable with each other so for you and your learning disability and talking about the accommodation and tools you might need where you can say here's what I need and that office or that entity that business that job might be able to say here's what we have now is, is this going to work? Because there could be something that they're like, ah, we don't have that, but we have this. And you're like, well, actually that's even better. So I'm glad you have that. Like, you know, or it's like, ah, no, glad you have that. uh, But this is what, you know, would would work better. And, um, and so I think that is, sometimes I think we don't realize that when we look at how to best serve people, we actually can end up creating situations that help so many others thrive, that help our operations thrive. Um, but when we look to only just serve ourselves, then as operations and not the people who are there trying to do well with us, then yeah, we end up harming them. Um, at the end of the day, so that's one of the the, the big thoughts that just kind of came at the 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 end as you were um, as you were talking there. So and I'll when, just pause there for a second. Yeah.
1: When I do consulting and talking about accommodations, a lot of times I focus on disability because that's you know where my strength area is. But it's really about inclusion across the board. It's about you know, celebrating what a person needs and everybody shows up in the world differently, you know, whether you're a parent, whether (laughs) you're, you know, any of the other identity groups, you know, your religious beliefs and how you need to celebrate those, like all of them come with different, um, I I hate using the word needs, but all of them come with different things that would make you feel celebrated instead of having to ask for an accommodation, like accommodation sounds, Mm -hmm. Icky. And so when I talk with professors about their syllabus and like everybody puts that standard gross statement at the bottom, that's all like medical and like lawyerish. And it's like, no, like just say you care about them as a human and how will they be mm-hmm. successful in your course? And then hopefully they'll come up to you and say, like, hey, I got to pick my day- kid up at daycare, you know, after this class. If you run over, like, I'm going to need to leave because I cannot get my kid at daycare. And if you are open and uh, accepting and willing to listen to that person's story, you're going to have them be so much more successful in that moment than if you are being judgmental or doing the bare minimum that you have to do legally in order to, you know, have that statement, you know, on your website or wherever it is. And it's just it's small changes in language and small changes in, in how you care about people that will allow people to blossom and be vulnerable and show up how they are.
0: No, that's true. It, it's, you talked about comfort zones. How can we, as I said, how can we serve people? How can we help people in feeling like that they can be in a what comfort zone? Now, when you talked about comfort zone, you talked about it in, in a different way. But just using that phrase, comfort zone, I think, you know, we we oftentimes think that because no, someone doesn't say something, that they must be comfortable. Like, no, sometimes, let's be real, like, when it comes to business, sometimes people, especially in these past couple of years, there are some people who are like, rather, I rather, I am not in the most comfortable position right now, but, like... I need this job, like because of XYZ thing that's happening in the outside world. Like I, I need this this job right now. And um, and so but what I think about is is how can we create spaces where people can be open, be honest, be who they are, and and when I say be who they are, be comfortable in being all who they are. Like yeah. not just what you you see, because you, you talk about, um, you know, you mentioned the, the, the language of, you know, invisible disability. Like, and I think that's something where sometimes we're like, Oh, I don't see this. So are you really like, are you, are you real? Do you really have a Like, There's that, like, I'm going to judge you right now. Do you really like, no, just, and, it, and I think in the same way, when it comes to people's identity, other, you know, identities that I think it's like, well, It's like, how was I supposed to know? Do you really like, you know, no, like let's create spaces where um, we can, where people can just be comfortable fully, be fully comfortable with, you know, who they are. Um, Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that where let's look to create perfection. Like there's not the world is ever evolving. That as soon as you get to a point where you're like, I think I got it. That there's going to be something gonna... else that comes out. Yeah, there's something else that's going to come about, and there's going to be a student. There's going to be a, a, a staff member, a team member that's going to be coming. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, actually, and you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, like I, I thought no. So don't, don't you know, you know, get yourself all up in the front about it, like. Just keep working towards it. Keep going forward in the journey, being willing to, again, understand how to the best serve people and create spaces where if someone says they are not being served well, they're not feeling like there's uh, a space for them to be open, brave, to be comfortable, listen to what they are actually saying. Because in some ways what it allows is it allows a very authentic conversation to happen because in some ways there may be things that you're just not capable of doing and that and in some ways like you might want to try the hardest but at the end of the day like there's just some things you're not just may not be able to do no matter how hard you try and so it may be best for someone have to look for another you know opportunity but what it comes down to is, is that, were you willing to, you know, go on that journey uh, to begin with, to, you know, explore all that was going on and that exploration uh, has to have some level of vulnerability.
1: What do you think too, like what you were saying about um, like perfection, like there is no perfection and it's always a moving target and things are always going to adjust and change and, Continue to to grow, and so um, not being defensive when somebody has that honest conversation with you, because all of us don't like to make mistakes. We don't want <laughs> to, to hurt someone or or to not have somebody that is working for us or working with us that is uncomfortable. Like we, and if they share that with us, it can be like a moment of oh my gosh, like I did wrong, like and once again wanting to fix it instead of actually listening. And I think uh-huh. that just you know, pulling that defensiveness down and really like trying to have that honest conversation. And that honest conversation might be that it's not possible what is needed for that person to feel comfortable, which is not a great place. You know, it's not a great feeling, but it's healthier and better for that person to to know that and to be able to to move along than it is to try to keep, you know, banging your head against a wall on something that's never going to adjust or ever going to change. And I think that especially in in the last years and everything that sort of happened, it's going to be very interesting to see because a lot of accommodations have been made um, to keep businesses operational, like working from home and things that the disability community has been begging for for years because everything was too expensive and it wasn't possible. And And now all of a sudden, in the drop of a hat, everybody was able to get Zoom and work from home and work remotely. And I think for a lot of folks, it is going to drastically change how we communicate with one another, how we operate businesses, how we all, you know, develop those relationships. And our family and home relationships are all going to adjust and change. And a lot of people are really um, don't want to go back to what it was before. And so how are we going to celebrate each other and be inclusive and work together as a team so that we can all show up in our work, in our comfort zone, in the best way possible um, while celebrating each other. It's, it's really a revolutionary time. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how it all folds out.
0: No, I can hundred uh, percent agree with that. Like, I think that uh, we, we, seeing some of the things that have come about have made uh, life much more refreshing. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how those things continue to play out. And the the one thing that I, I think about with some of the tools that have come about uh, over these last uh, 18 uh, months um, or so, when I think about some of these tools, I also want us to, like, really be quick to stop expecting more out of folks because we have some of these tools. Because for some entities, these tools and accommodations, practices, things should have already <laughs> been there. Um, and for others, like, because of funding and different things that has been made available during this time, they've been able to get that, these tools and everything. But let's not, you know, expect uh, things to keep happening. So, like, I, one of the things that comes to mind right now, generally, is I just think of, uh, I think of all this Patrick Lencioni book on like death by meetings. Like I think from that, that book was talking about like meetings from the perspective of like in-person meetings. But now in this virtual era where we're like, oh, but you know, we've, we've really helped people, you know, in terms of virtual meetings, it saves on, allows people to work from home and, you know, be with families, it allows people to uh, not to save on gas and not have to travel across campus. And if they, if they can produce a checklist of ways that you know, virtual meetings has been beneficial. But that doesn't mean that still everything needs to be a meeting because that's still just because it's not an in-person meeting doesn't mean that it's not affecting someone's mental health. Does not mean that it's still not affecting someone in a a way Um, because in some ways I've seen some places that are like, oh, well, because you don't have to travel, we can just have back-to-back meetings. No, stop it. Stop. (laughs) Don't do it. No, it's not healthy. Stop. No. I need just five uh-uh. minutes.
1: Just five minutes. Yes.
0: Yes. Like have you heard of a bio break? Have you heard like you can't tell me that it's best to drink water all day and then not expect me to need a bio break? Um, and so I think when I just when it's just all said and done, like and it comes down, like vulnerability is has to be a matter of us looking at all that's going on around us and really just being real and authentic um, and making the the changes that we need to make to allow for things to happen it requires us to slow down and pause and say what is happening in my environment right now because just because you have someone who was there that person could leave to take another opportunity Slow down and pause. Don't get rid of what you set up for that person. Like it, it may be needed by the next person. It may be needed, you know, maybe not that year. It may be needed the next year. Um, and so, slow down, pause, and really just reflect upon how you are kind of running things as you are are moving forward. So, um,
1: and appreciate yeah. when somebody is vulnerable with you. When somebody is sharing that. You know, moment when you need to slow down and take that pause, make sure to let that person know that you appreciate it and that you are willing to do the work. Because I think that there's sometimes, once again, that, you know, something's brought to our attention and it's uncomfortable. And instead of saying thank you, we want to come up with an excuse as to why whatever was acceptable. Um, And clearly it wasn't acceptable or else that person wouldn't be having that conversation with you. And so, how do you? Um, thank them for bringing it to your attention, and you know how do you move forward and make sure that they understand that you are serious about making a change or about growing in that area that maybe you didn't know as much about.
0: Yeah, and the last thing I want to really talk about is as we've talked with so much already in this section, and we we talked about identities a little bit earlier. And I really just want to hit home with this: is that when it comes to us um, making, bringing about tools, accommodations, things to help to best, better serve um, individuals and communities and families and you know our operations. Truly, let's look at how these identities intersect. But truly, let's look at the ways um, in which we may not have. You know, potentially surge in the past. So what I think about right now is is that like with a lot of things, you know, over the past year, where people having to work from home, well, quality of internet service has not been great um, in every neighborhood, and sometimes people are quick to go to a neighborhood that might identify one way and say, "All right, we're going to do this," but not necessarily. I remember going go to another neighborhood. I remember over this past year uh, my partner and I we would go uh, on walks at the park and we would see you know I was just say students of color that it looked like every week there was many students of color just at the park getting internet to do work and it's not to say that like there are students who are not of color who don't have issues with quality internet, but it makes me think of what all is actually happening. Is this truly just a quality of internet? Is this a, a home environment? Like what all is going on that creates this situation? And so I think that's what I want us to get at is, is don't just necessarily jump and say like, oh, this is a, a race-based thing or this is a culture-based, like it could be a culture-based thing in terms of what's going on in the infrastructure in this community. Like, what's going on um, Yeah, in absolutely. In this neighborhood.
1: Growing up in Maine, um, there's still a lot of places in Maine that are on dial-up on islands or in the woods or in different sections. And it's like kids can't do on at-home learning when you're on dial-up. <laughs> and a lot of school systems didn't even consider that as you know, a thing and, and CBS Sunday morning, I think did a, did a, uh, a right, um, a TV Sunday thing on it. And it's just amazing to me that once again, like we have all this technology, we have all of these, um, you know, abilities to make adjustments, but at the same time, if you don't know, you don't know if you don't know, you know, what that kid's home life is or what, you know, the situation is. And, and I know a lot of people that I worked with, um, in the past that have shared with me over this year that like working from home. Yeah, sure. It's great. I don't have to commute. And you know, all the other benefits that we talked about, but I don't have the money to upgrade my internet. I don't have the money to keep my lights on all day and flush my toilet all day. Like there was definitely uh, a price that came with having your home office that some people could not realistically afford. And so how do you, continue to support people through those struggles when you don't even think about it necessarily. And once again, no one's trying to be malicious or hurtful, but it takes that person speaking up and saying, hey, I need some assistance, which is not a comfortable place to be. Um, or like you said, finding a community, all going out in the park together, working together to to you know, get your schoolwork done or whatever it is, if you don't have that support at home. Um, but it's just... It's, it's really a difficult time.
0: Yes. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we will come back and with our final tips and thoughts on today's conversation. <laughs> All righty. So, Erica, as we begin to wrap up today's conversation, are there any uh, final tips you have for the listeners uh, when it comes to exploring uh, their journey of vulnerability?
1: I think honesty with yourself is just the number one thing that you can do. And I, it's not an easy task because I think we all, um, you know, have our past and, and the way that we've operated and things that have made us successful. But I think that being uncomfortable and sitting in that comfort, uncomfortable place and really being honest with yourself is going to help you to be more successful in sharing your honest self with other people and genuinely making those connections.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I think all that, could have said it better myself. Um Again, that honesty um, and that exploration, like those are, that honesty, as we talked about earlier, is very, very important because um, it, it is, it's not just being, it's being honest with you, as I said earlier, it's being honest with your yourself. Like really, as I said, like in my framework, allowing yourself the opportunity to be where you are, like that's, you got to have honesty with that. And that's, because that's not even necessarily having to say anything out loud or or written to anybody um it's just honestly saying like this is where i'm at right now to myself um and i think if if we are not able to do that i think then how do we you know move forward um and life, because if we're not honest with ourselves, I think that gets to where you were talking about with comfort zones. Um, we start to pick up some of those, be, put ourselves in those comfort zones where it's just like, yeah, I'm good right here. I'm, I feel safe. Uh, I'm, oh, here goes these bad habits like I've you know picked up over the years. I'm going back to like I. It's, this is my safety net. Like this is what I'm going to fall back into. Um, and I, and I just say like, let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to hurt and it's going to be painful. But at the end of the day, as the, with this podcast, we say, vulnerability leads to victory. And again, the victory is not that you need to feel so happy, go lucky, bippity, boppity, boop, like, no. It's about saying that acknowledgement of victory can just be the acknowledgement and honesty being with yourself, that you've been with yourself. So that can be the victory right there. Um, I and mean, anything beyond that can feel even greater. But let's not make victory have having to be something that feels so unobtainable or there's something that is beyond the reach of where we are in the state of where we are so yeah love it any other final thoughts or anything you want to kind of promote about yourself any websites any social media any business offers anything else that you want the listeners to know about erica
1: yeah i mean my uh, website is ericahepernan.com and so if you want to check out my artwork or uh, my speaking engagements or anything like that. It's all its all available there for you. Um, I love being able to connect with, with the public. And so, Sean, thank you so much for doing these. I am so happy that you have found something that you are passionate about and excited to have these uh, difficult conversations with people because they are going to help a ton of people. And I think both you and I have spent a lot of our careers really trying to Help as many people as we can along the way, and really support people where they're at, uh, in in order to encourage them to grow and learn and keep, you know, moving forward. And so, I'm very thankful that you're you're doing this stuff.
0: Thank you for that. It is greatly appreciated um, to hear that, um, and I'm thankful to be able to kind of utilize this platform as well to to best serve people and and help people in the way that I can. As I tell folks, I am a communicator. I love to uh, communicate. I love to tell stories. And I think uh, being able to have a platform where people get to tell their stories, in this case, um, be in the vulnerable ones or be vulnerable and just telling their story in general um, and the ways they've navigated through the experiences from that is just an opportunity I'm so glad. I did not pass up. And so I'm glad for our connection. I'm glad for our friendship. Um, I am glad that we've been able to, uh, you know, really support each other over the years. So.
1: Thank you so much, Sean.
0: Well, everybody, that begins to wrap up today's episode. Uh, and by today's episode the last episode of season two um, of vulnerability leads to victory um, I am so glad to all 13 guests I've had on this season Um, it has been such a joy to hear the stories reflect on the stories and share the stories with you all uh, through this platform Um, as I say please like subscribe comment but most importantly, share. Um, The best way that we can, one of the best ways we can uh, truly impact society in a positive way is to share. You know, we've heard the old adage through the PBS, you know, uh, Lamb Chop Play Along, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers David, all those things, that sharing is caring. Um, And I truly do think that sharing is, when done the right way, and in the appropriate formats and venues um and, and safe and open spaces where there's no judgment presence sharing is is definitely caring and so and it's as free we always it's end. easy as, to do it's free. yes free and easy to do so as we always end each of these episodes we're going to end this season the same way. But before I do that, season three will hit you mid-October. We got a great season three lined up. And trust me, I have a guest lined up for 2022 that's gonna be a part of season four. So that means that I've already renewed myself for seasons three and for vulnerability Lisa, victory. Get ready, hear more stories and even uh, in the same format same great conversations new people get ready and as we know what we need to do (sighs) exhale before you inhale peace and blessings everybody one love